0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: What's up, guys? My internet crapped out halfway through recording this, but we're still powering through. Vinny Pasquantino debuted and is Mike Matheny on the hot seat. Check it out. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. My name is Joel Penfield. Thank y'all so much for joining me for this episode. Josh Kaiser, our buddy over at Royals Farm Report, who has not been on an episode the last couple of weeks uh, due to interviews and uh, family, uh, family priorities, but had to get him on here at least once. What's going on, bud?
2: Uh, not much. Everything's all good. We had a couple of sicknesses running through the house, and uh, everybody's all good. But um, my, my day started at 3 a.m., with a with a, a crying child and uh uh went to the pool this this evening with the family and some little three-year-old called me fat so <laughs> i came home and i uh rode the lightning with some hard mountain dews again so now i am amped <laughs> <Yeah>. i rode <laughs> i did the do again and uh i, I I'm, I'm done with them my, my sampler pack is gone and I, I don't think I'll ever ride the lightning ever again, I don't but it was th- you know, fun while it lasted.
1: Yeah. That's one of those things that I don't know if I could ever tap into those. Like I like a good seltzer every once in a while. I had a, uh, the watermelon salt and lime Boulevard one at the yep. game on Tuesday night, but yeah. I, I just don't know if I could do the hard mountain do, but Hey, good for you for, for trying. I know tuck enjoyed them. Uh, I think that was, I think they had some of the highest ratings on his uh, seltzer scale. So
2: that's why I went looking. I was, I went up to Iowa to, to catch some of those minor league games and, uh, when in Rome, I grabbed a hard, I don't know if they're qualifying as seltzer. If they are
1: seltzer. I think it's they, a hard Mountain Dew. They
2: taste, you ever, you know how you look at like antifreeze? Yeah. They taste how you like want it to taste. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. It tastes like yeah. how you want or think. You think like antifreeze the, is Gatorade or something?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the upside, the ceiling of antifreeze taste. That's what hard Mountain Dew tastes like in my opinion that makes sense
1: well you're you're saving me some money because that doesn't mean that means i'm not going to go buy some so i appreciate it it's
2: fine it's it's fine it was
1: it's good to do one time i would say that fair enough do the do one time do it once yep hey there's a slogan for you guys no free ads Uh, (laughs) but i am gonna go right to an ad break real quick this show brought to you by kansas city strength and conditioning
2: from the beginning we knew right away that we want to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn we knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go and the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page you know we can write a program based off of what a kid needs not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense it's what does this kid need on the pitching end we can say hey this kid needs such and such he needs to do this or that better a lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound, it actually needs to be fixed in the weight room.
1: Thank you. As always to Kansas city strength and conditioning for sponsoring, sponsoring this show, be sure to go check them out down at home field, Olathe, or if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. Josh, so there's been there was a lot of big news uh, that happened earlier this week. I wish I had the opportunity to record earlier; it just didn't work out, unfortunately. So you all know where we're going with this. But we're going to start with the move that precedes the move we all want to talk about, which was <laughs> Carlos Santana getting traded to the Seattle Mariners for a couple of relievers: Wyatt Mills and William Fleming. Wyatt Mills is going to AAA and uh, in Omaha, and William Fleming is down in Quad Cities now. The fact that the Royals were able to get anything for Carlos Santana other than a firm handshake, a $20 bill, and like stuff to fill a vending machine um, is nothing short of a miracle, I think, at this point. It was very similar to the Jorge Soler move last year where he had about 10 good days after being one of the worst hitters in baseball and were able to move him and get something back for him. It's not like the Royals are getting nobody's either. Like Mills has had some big league time. Uh, Wyatt, William Fleming is super interesting. He's got a nasty slider from what we've seen. Mills is kind of funky. Got that same kind of like Jose Quas delivery. It's that sidearm uh, with some heavy sink uh, look that the Royals don't really have. So it, it works out super nicely. The Royals were able to move him the way they wanted to. Uh, probably sooner than they were expecting as well. I, I was I was anticipating it was going to be closer to the deadline. But they they sold high which they really needed to do. Cause who knows when he was going to crater back down, uh, after a really nice West coast road trip and, and you were able to get two things out of it. I am super thrilled that we were able will make this move when it came across. I, I couldn't believe it almost because I didn't expect him to get traded at all.
2: Yeah. I mean that, that we, we had talked about it being a possibility. And, uh, as much as we talked about Vinny Pasquatino, we always knew that that was the big obstacle, uh, before his call up. But, um, I was always kind of the, the guy on the train. I was dying on the hill of, I understand why they're doing it. I understand why everybody doesn't like that move. Uh, completely understand that. But I, I understand both sides of the story here. And I don't necessarily disagree with their, uh, their handling of it. It just happens, you know, sometimes they're playing him so much pays off. And sometimes it doesn't. And in this situation, it happened to do it. And it happened to do it at the right time. Uh, going on the West coast like that. The Mariners got a good look at them, uh a few different times this year. So um, it, it is nice. The other part of that is they they're paying like $4.3 million yeah. of his remaining. I think it was 4.5 uh, leaving about 200 K on the a back little over end. Five, I think. Oh, is that what it was? It was little, yeah.
1: So I think the, yeah, the Royals kicked in like 4.3 and I think the Mariners are going to pay the remaining million and a half. If I read it correctly, it's something okay. like that.
2: Well, I mean that, that, is a big deal too because ownership in the past has not been that um interested in paying dead money essentially on contracts. They aren't like super interested in eating that money. So it is it's not a it's not a ton, it's not gonna break no. their backs by any means. But the fact that they were willing to do it in order to potentially get, you know, not just lottery tickets, but a dude that is potentially a major league reliever right now is uh it was a little bit telling to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I did not expect the merit or the the Royals to kick in that much money that is certainly a welcome change. I could, and I wonder if some of the move was getting it down to a number that was like tolerable cuz yeah. I bet they probably could have moved him and kicked in 6 like or just paid him the 6 million or whatever um, a month ago and released him but they wanted to make it a little more tolerable. Totally understand. Sure. I understand they, this is a business and, and so mm-hmm. I understand you know as rich as John Sherman is, I know that you know a six, six writing a six million dollar check that doesn't feel good at any time. I don't care right. how much money you have, but yep. to do it like that and the mayor and they're not paying the full salary. The Mariners are still kicking in that million and a half. You got to make a trade with a guy that loves to make trades. The Mariners are still they're in an aggressive window. I know they've underachieved severely, which is you know, that's so much that's pain. the part
2: that kind of was weird to me was the Mariners. I mean, they've they've had. I, I don't know the health of the Mariners by any so means. So Ty but...
1: France is on the injured list right now. He has an ah. it was an elbow injury, that kind yeah. of a freak incident. The ball got kind of thrown up the line a little bit, so he had to reach and the collided with the runner. Grade oh, two yep. elbow sprain, so he's on the injured list. Should hopefully be back uh, by the you know the first part of July coming up here soon. But then they also have all of these suspensions coming down the pipe from the yeah. brawl in <laughs> Seattle or in uh, Anaheim on Sunday. So they need a bat. And he has, provides an opportunity for him to DH a little bit, uh, get Jesse Winker off his feet a little bit, um, you know, give Ty France some days, or he can just DH yeah. and he can play first. Uh, you know, he's in a crush against lefties, so there's opportunities for him there. Is it a fantastic option? As a Mariners fan, no. But <laughs> the offense has been so up and down and inconsistent that having that steady presence of a veteran that can take walks and kind of table set at times. Okay, sure. yeah. Let's see what happens.
2: <laughs> Might as well roll the dice. Might as well the, roll the uh, dice on it. But I, I this... kinda wonder, I kind of wonder if it turns into back when the Royals traded Maldonado to the Cubs and then they
1: turned around and traded him to Houston.
2: That uh, happened so the last
1: I... time the, because this is the second time that he's been with the Mariners. Oh, because hmm. he got traded. It, this is just peak Jerry DePoto, but he <laughs> traded for him from Philly for Gene Segura and then two days later traded him, traded Santana to Cleveland for Edwin Encarnacion.
2: Huh. Okay. Oh, that was the, yeah, that was the salary dump one. one It was a
1: salary dump move. Yep.
2: Yep. Interesting. Well, I I do kind of wonder if that's the, if that's kind of what we're going to see here. That totally could Uh, be. Yeah. When we get closer to the deadline. So it's kind of something interesting to see for sure that the AOS is weird. I mean, the Rangers are technically, I mean, they're four games out of the wildcard spot. Yeah. So that I mean, uh, the Mariners are only five and a half games out of the wild card spot, and currently that's the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, and the Rays in those top three spots. So I don't know, I don't know if you're good enough to catch those guys, but um, but it is an interesting move that the Mariners are willing to buy just to see if they can still stay in it long enough. And then again, still plenty of time to to flip them again, potentially replace these two these two pitchers that the Royals got in the trade.
1: I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past Jerry DePoto to make any sort of move. So uh, do you want Do
2: you want to talk about the dudes that we got?
1: I don't know a ton about him, frankly. I would never heard of William Fleming before. Admittedly, as much as I am a Mariners fan, I'm more of a like Mariners fan at the big league level. I'm not as I'm not as sure. tuned in to a lot of guys at the minor league level. I know Mills has gotten a cup of coffee. He played he was in the the bullpen in 20, got a little bit of time in 21 or 21, and then a little bit of time this year. It Mm -hmm. hasn't really worked out. I think he had all ERA right around five last year. It's north of nine this year. So still some things to iron out. But like I mentioned at the beginning, the Royals don't have many guys like him. They have Jose Quas, but adding another guy that's just a little bit funky on Mm -hmm. days when Quas can't pitch or he pitched the two days prior, you go Stomon and then you can go to mills. Who's got, you know, a low to mid nineties fastball with that sidearm sink. It's just a different look. Or you yep. go from a, a Gabe Spire to that, like from the left to the right side. Something to like that. It yep. just gives the Royals another option. And yep. probably he's probably nothing more than a quad A guy, but seems like he can at least is competent enough to pitch at the big league level. He's got some things to work out. So maybe yep. he's able to find something in Omaha with Dane Johnson and we'll see where it goes. But the fact they're able to get a guy that is not an completely a lottery ticket, it's someone that can service you right now with the big leagues. Yep. That's a win. That's a massive, massive win, in my opinion.
2: In his theoretical prime, so Mm -hmm. he's got less um, less than he's got 19 games of MLB experience. So if he does happen to work out, you got him for his prime cheaply, and that's exactly for a for a team like the Royals, that's a big deal. So this is a roll of the dice, major league ready guy, and it kind of sets you up to to potentially throw in potentially like a Barlow or a Stamont at the trade deadline deal to kind of buffer and and fluff up some of those packages a little bit. So um, I said fluff up the packages, Um, (laughs) but uh, it it just seems like this is just, like you said, an option, potentially a depth piece guy, but also a guy that could alleviate some of the pressure that you would need to still fulfill a bullpen at the major league club. He would potentially do that. Um, Definitely. I Um, love, I love the sidearm sinker. I mean, mm -hmm. his, the horizontal run on that is like a forty-three uh, percent above average pitch. So I'm I'm anxious to see. We saw some highlights. I think Alex tweeted a couple of them um, that uh, that he put out there. So I would encourage everyone to go check out how nasty some of those sliders are. But uh, but good stuff. Fleming. He was the uh, apparently the 27th uh, prospect according to MLB Pipeline in the Mariner system, and he's not ranked at all. In this royal system, which kind of tells you something about you know the, the two systems, t- systems relative to each other, FanGraphs um, gives them a thirty five plus value uh, in their overall value. Um, kind of average starts at average rates in a ball uh, in his fourteen starts, still kind of old of him, but they're still trying to trot him out to uh, to be a starter. Um, and he's definitely got some upside. Oh yeah, uh, we'll see if they can we'll see if they can kind of unlock some of that, but certainly a lottery ticket here.
1: It throws in a nice arm to go with Alcantara and hockey yep. and some of those others that are going to go to, that are in high A now. So oh, we we'll see doesn't what work
2: out, If he doesn't work out, I mean, I don't want to, I don't I'm not wishing this on, I mean anybody, but you've got the three prep arms coming up. You've exactly. got to think that they are theoretically going to be uh, at quad cities next year. And if that's the case and, and Fleming's not necessarily working
1: out, it's an easy cut at that point. Yeah, exactly. So the reason why I am so happy that Carlos <laughs> Santana was moved about 15 minutes later, it is announced that Vinny Pasquantino was selected from Omaha, made it to the big leagues. Uh, and the corresponding move there was uh, Ronald Bolaños was designated for assignment. I would imagine he clears waivers and ends up in Omaha. So it ends up working like an option. So mm-hmm. Vinny Pasquantino is a big leaguer now, something we have been clamoring for since when was opening day, like the day after opening day, something like yeah. that. Um, I think it was like April. So you're, I think April 7th was opening day. So like April 8th, like, okay, can we get Vinny up here now? Finally happens. And the reception was incredible. Uh he, he actually called me as he was on his way down to Omaha or from Omaha on that Monday. Um, and he kind of let me know like five, like he gave me like a five minute warning before uh, the news was announced. So that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, I, I We've been able to develop a friendship with Vinny through Royals farm reporter for the last couple of years. So it was, it was incredible to see him get that opportunity An easy guy to root for uh, from the minute that I, I met him. So and to see the, the, the player side of it come through because the person was incredible. And I was like, man, if he yep. ever makes it to the big leagues, people are going to love you. And that's just, that's the case. And it's just so happens that he's one of the best prospects in the system from an 11th round pick to a top 100 prospect to a big leaguer. That's a hmm. hell of a story for anybody in any system. Absolutely. So I, I absolutely love it. He did not play on that Monday uh, which sucked because you, me, and uh, Alex and Drake <laughs> were at the game. We were really hoping, but I mean, it got, was it was setting up for destiny. It it really was because we'd already planned to go to the game anyway, yeah. and it just like happened to work ahead. out. Yeah, but uh, but he was in he was in uniform. They were facing a lefty. He had just gotten into the ballpark at like four thirty. So yeah, there was no way they were going to let him start. We were hoping maybe a pinch hit opportunity. Uh, that didn't come, but he comes in on Tuesday. And my wife and I went to the game as well. Cause I, I had to be there for his debut. I feel like I had been riding the Vinny hype train and driving it for so long that I felt it was important to be there. Like I had to, if I wasn't, I would have been disappointed in myself, <laughs> but he gets a standing ovation first at bat. And again, like for an 11th round pick to garner that much love from a fan base immediately is really incredible. And it wasn't just like a clap of, Oh, what a cool story it was this guy could be a part of the future. <laughs> so anticlimactically gets a first pitch heater and hits into a double play. <laughs> it was just like, of course it had to work out that way. Yep. And he doesn't have I a like hit it. through two games. Uh, he played in the day game on uh, on Wednesday too and worked a couple walks. Yep. If I can spin it's- this to any sort of positive, and I, I don't think folks are expecting him to come in to light the world on fire. How, how can you? Most rookies don't. Yeah. But he doesn't look out of place. He didn't yeah. look – uh, like rattled. He didn't look an- like he obviously a little antsy. I would have swung at the first pitch no matter where it was. The, the, if I was in his shoes, they could have thrown it into the other dugout. and I was probably going <laughs> to swing. So he got a first pitch heater and he crushed it. He hit it hit 106 miles an hour. Just hit it on the ground. Yeah. But was, you know, I mean, their pitch pitches like barely on the outside corner. Take,
2: yeah. you know,
1: those, you know, that slider in taking it, fouling off some pitches. He just, he looked comfortable. And he was putting together good at bats. He was hitting the ball hard. So it's a one of those things of a good process with bad results. And normally when you have something like that, the results are going to work in your favor more often than not. So I have, there is no reason to be alarmed that Vinny is zero for five or whatever. in his big league career to start. He's going to be just fine. He has shown enough tools that he is going to be a huge part of the future of this team playing first base and DH.
2: Did he get a bigger ovation than Melendez did? He did, but also it was a bigger crowd.
1: I, I was at the game for I was at the game for Melendez. It was not a real big crowd, even though they were playing St. Louis. So, yeah. and that was also some of it was there was a lot of St. Louis fans in there. So, not yep. a lot of not a lot of a uh, uh, not a lot of cheers to go around on a day right. like that on a midweek game in playing <laughs> sure. St. Louis. But he got as big of a a pop as Vinny did on opening day, or yeah. as a uh, Bobby did Bobby. on opening
2: day. Yep, I was that. wondering about that, and and I mean it obviously speaks volumes about the the scouting and the player development in the Royals to see him and develop him, but at the same time, he needs credit for that too, because he's the one putting in the work. He's the one who understands what, what he needs to do day in and day out. He's got the right attitude. He's, he's an absolute born leader, which might be my favorite part about it is not only is he like gifted with the skills, naturally the charisma, charisma, he's, he's got all that and he wants it. He wants to be that dude, and that I think that is a huge, huge part of this next wave. Is they've got the the superstar in Bobby, they've got the great, you know, maybe like all star, multiple all star appearances between Melinda's and Prado, and they got the dude, the glue guy, the the guy that's going to be controlling the clubhouse and keeping everybody in line and focused and and light, you know, light light in their uh, mentality. So I, I'm just all around pumped to see Vinny at the big league level. But I'm also pumped to, for this organization to be able to uh, develop and scout and, and bring this dude up. It's not it's not, you know, neither side gets all the credit, but it's, it, both sides need to be given credit for for how good Vinny's been. So just just absolutely ecstatic for him. We, we did the math at the park the night he got here, but he had exactly 533 plate appearances and they gave us the lip service of, or, or, or whatever you want to call it. They said they wanted a 500 to 550 plate appearance sample size in the just upper minors. The middle, just, about. <laughs> just nailed it. Just, just part of the waters. So it just happened to have the right deal for Carlos Santana at the right exact time at 533 plate appearances. But um, j- I just pulled him through those 533 plate appearances. He slashed 293, 387 to 564. He walked more than he struck out. He had 28 ding-dongs and 107 ribbies. And that's basically – 533 is basically one single season. So not saying he's going to do that, but that kind of slash line and that kind of production at the upper levels of the minor leagues is not nothing. So there's reason to be pumped up for this, reason to be rooting for this guy. And uh, we're just ecstatic because, you know, we, we all were very, uh, very big Vinny fans.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And this feels like the beginning of the youth shift – It feels like this. Like MJ came up because Salvi went on the injured list early uh, with Mm -hmm. the the initial thumb injury, and that felt like just a like a natural move. Like they had to make that move to go and get him up. Yeah, Bobby was he was going to make the opening day roster even if he was terrible in spring training. Like that was that was inevitable as well. But they didn't have to call Vinny up. They chose to. They chose to trade Carlos Santana so they could get this guy in here. Mm -hmm. That means I would imagine Prado is not too far behind. Michael yep. Massey's not too far behind and Nick Lofton, a clay Dungan is, is not far behind it. it Maybe yep. give him an opportunity, especially with the rumblings of guys that are in the mix at the trade deadline. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, a Whit Merrifield, who's getting some, some talk from national media members earlier and more than in years past, which is not nothing. Uh, you know, yeah, I talk-
2: also said that it's like more serious on Wit too, which is it's yes. also not nothing. So yeah, we'll see. exactly.
1: And then you still have your you know your relievers that you could possibly move as well. But there, this team is going to look very different post July twenty eighth, like whenever mm-hmm. the, the I think August second is the actual trade deadline. But end of July, beginning of August, this team is going to look very different, and it kind of starts with Vinny coming up on Tuesday yeah. and making his big league debut. We're going to see Prado get an opportunity. We're going to see probably Duncan get an opportunity. We're going to see a lot of guys that are a part of the future of this organization get some run and get some opportunity. Will it lead to a lot of wins? No, but what (laughs) does it matter at this point? No. So you might as well get these dudes in, get them some run, get them a cup of coffee at the big league level and see if they're a part of your future. And I believe that a lot of these guys are a part of that future. So you might as well start getting these guys together now so that by next year, they're at least, all seasoned enough that they they can start to learn how to win games at the big league level.
2: Yeah. The the question I was kind of thinking about uh, with all this, you brought Prado up. What is the scenario now that Carlos Santana is out? Vinny's the guy that they brought up. What is the scenario now to have the Prado call up? Because if you shift – Probably the
1: Benintendi trade.
2: Benintendi and then what – Whit Merrifield goes to left, Hunter Dozier goes to right, and Isbell is still – Floating around somewhere? And then, I, I don't know. I mean, where's Prado still at that point? Is he playing first base with Vinny on DH then?
1: I think he's played left field. He's you played so? a lot of left field recently. And, when they, hmm. and there were games when Vinny was at first and Prado was in left or Prado was in right. Yeah. I don't think it's just positional versatility at that point. He's right. played a lot of outfield. And he it looks serviceable out there. if the Alex Gordon levels, no. But who is? I mean, right. I didn't think Andrew Benintendi was spectacular last year and he won a gold glove. So
2: <laughs> I wondered how much of that was just the fact that there wasn't much in the AL left field that's that's running. That's
1: very, very fair. <laughs> but, but I, I mean, think there's opportunities there. That he was good. And there are there are opportunities where you can put Prado at first and you can DH Vinny, or you can put Vinny at first, you can put Prado and left. You can put Dozier in the in a corner and pray. You can put Isbell right. in left. And right. you can put Prado at first, like there, there are, you can DH Prado. Like there are so many different options here with it. I think Prado has shown enough athleticism, enough versatility. that You can be like, okay, I think we can make this work. And at a certain point it's get the bats in the lineup and let them hit yeah. and worry about everything else, all the ancillary stuff, worry about it later and yeah. just get these guys in the lineup and get them at bats. Cause that's what I care about more than anything. I don't care where they're playing. Sure. I just want to see them in the lineup and I want to see if this all works.
2: It's it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how they try to do that if they try to do it. And and yeah, Prado and Prado and, and Massey might be the only guys that might realistically see you might see Dungan, but he's his production place not super great. He's, he's been good as of late. Uh, they, yeah.
1: Bally Sports and Alex, I think a little tongue in cheek tweeted about, "Oh, it's coming." Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he's hitting 286. He's flat. He's got an OPS a little over 800, I believe. Oh, in, that's been up chance. since
2: last time I saw. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's like around on seven, seven, eighty, eight hundred, something like that. So oh, wow. maybe he okay. gets an opportunity as an old, you know, an older guy that you know, yeah. just hey, get your cup of coffee and let's see what happens. And may- hey, maybe he figures it out at the big league level and he's your. They seem can be to a a over the
2: last like two spring training. So why yeah. not?
1: Who knows? So why not? There's a lot to like here, and mm-hmm. the season has obviously been what it is. But I think that was one of the biggest jolts to the fan base was seeing Vinny up. It was some of the happiest that I've seen the fan base since <laughs> Bobby made his debut. So I mean, yeah. that's a long time between moments of bliss for our us as fans.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's good to see and and. I've seen this tweet something like you know, uh, lower lower parking costs check lower ticket costs check get Santana out check call Vinny up check and that the Royals were trying to keep you interested in this season and that seems I mean that's kind of what this was. we all knew that Santana was it wasn't going to be a part of this team on the back half he was eventually either going to be DFA'd or uh, or traded, but just to see them acknowledge that go ahead and get the deal done get vinny up and get people in the seats and and cheering tuesday was also miller light hawaiian shirt night so I have, i'm sure that was probably a big attractor as well as Vinny's, It's a solid
1: looking shirt i have one sitting that. in my closet now it's a solid <laughs> solid
2: shirt i can't you're gonna need to wear that on the podcast one of these I, nights
1: hey don't tell me with a good time i'll do it for is that post- a free post- ad that good enough i mean it's the right <laughs> Hey, you know what? I'll wear it on Tuesday for the uh, our uh, our recording post Fourth of July.
2: I like it. That's us uh, keep it leisure suit, Larry. Let's do this.
1: Okay, so okay, Alex, when you listen to this, you're wearing a Hawaiian shirt on, uh, on the recording. <laughs> I don't I'm think, think I have
2: one. I'll just have to like cut off some sleeves or something. Go real will right white. Probably trash find anyway. one
1: at Walmart for like six bucks.
2: <laughs> okay, but I mean, do they have Josh sizes? That kid at the pool called me fat, so I'm a little <laughs> body conscious right now.
1: I don't know, dude. You'd have to go check. <laughs> but Tangent, hey, we, we talked about the lower ticket prices. We talked about the lower, you know, lower uh, parking prices. It's, kind of, it's nice. It's hot out. But there's a lot of there's still a lot of good baseball. You can go watch Vinny in person. If you're looking to take your crew out to the K this summer, be sure to check out our friends at Tickets for Less. Ticketsforless.com has the best selection of tickets to all your favorite sporting events, concerts and shows, including the Royals. Tickets for Less never charges per ticket fee, saving you big time over the other sites out there. You can even save more when you use our exclusive partner code at checkout. Simply enter code KCSN22 when ordering your seats at ticketsforless.com. That code again is KCSN22. Use that to get my, uh, my tickets for Tuesday night. So nice. it does work, I promise. I'm not, I'm not just blowing smoke here when I read this. Thank you very much, Tickets for Less, for, uh, for helping <laughs> us out here. So I feel like it just needs to happen. This is just gonna be a thing for the rest of the season because this team is still very not good. Is there anything you need to vent about this week? Um, I've got I've got a
2: couple, I think. Um I think the first thing, and I think I talked to you guys about this, that if you were one of the guys, one of the people that were craving, you know, the let the kids play movement, I think you're forfeiting the right to complain about how bad this team is. And you kind of we kind of mentioned it like that's part of the going process. These guys are going to probably suck right out of the gate. That's just part of it. So you wanted the kids to play. They're here. They're playing. They might suck. They might be good, but they're here. So it's it's what you wish for. It's like, like you said, at least they're interesting. Um, they might be bad, but at least they're interesting. So um, I, I think at that point, you know, at this point, we're all just watching to see what the future might be. Uh, so let's not complain about them being bad. I think that's, answer.
1: I think that's completely fair, especially when now it was, I think it's different when there are certain players in the lineup that have no reason 100%. being in the lineup, yep. even with the young guys in there, I think there's still reason to be upset, but if it's a full <laughs> lineup, uh, you throw in Bobby and MJ and Isbell and Vinny and you're, you're getting, you're intentionally putting all the young guys in there and they go yep. out and lose a ball game three to two. All right, sure. Like I'm not going gonna... <laughs> to
2: make sense. Yep. Yeah,
1: It makes more sense than, having the same veterans that have proven they are not worthy of being big league players yeah. in the lineup and it doesn't work. I mean, is that completely shocking? No. Like, right. it, it, the simplest minded person can know that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like to say that uh, the mound visits are still bad and <laughs> uh, it cost me money on Monday. So.
2: <laughs> that was a delicious beer that you bought for us. <laughs> I thank looked you. at
1: uh, I looked at Josh and Alex and Drake as Cal Eldred walked out to talk to Chris Bubich in the second inning of the game against second the on Monday, and said, "If this goes poorly, second round's on me." Uh huh. And then two pitches later, a single is laced into right field for a two and two run score. Yep. Uh, after the Royals put up a three spot in the first inning, uh, it was then for or a four spot in the first inning. I think uh, it was then now four to four. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thank yeah. you for in. Thank you for that one. That's, that's <laughs> do you have any venting to do tonight, this week? That was mainly my venting. It was that mm-hmm. the mountain visits are still bad and, very, and which they should not be. Yeah. And, uh,
2: yeah. The other the other one I got is maybe a little bit premature, um, but it's more about needing a cornerstone third baseman. I, mm-hmm. We got the trade deadline coming up. We got the draft coming up. Shout out to Royals Farm Report and the draft guide coming up and the live show that we're going to do but I just want that cornerstone third baseman. And I know you don't go in the draft necessarily drafting for need. You kind of go best player available or you go with with the strategy, you got guys you like, but it always seems like the guys that you want, the big power third baseman are always not the guys that this front office looks at. And that is frustrating because we haven't really had the bat first, Third baseman since Moose Lift. We've, we've yeah. tried Chesler. We've tried Emmanuel Rivera. We've tried Michael Franco. We've tried Kelvin Gutierrez. Hunter Dozier. Hunter Dozier in there. Uh, there's just a long line of guys that are just not been the case. And any good lineup is going to need that third baseman pop. And it yeah. just seems like this organization wants that strong defender or above average defender with an okay bat as opposed to the hit the shit out of the ball bat, which is what I want. So that's
1: that's fair. Uh, I think trading that's going for to that.
2: Come. I mean, who knows? You can yeah. you can trade for that. Who knows what you're going to get from some of these these deals that you may or may not get? Who knows what you're coming out? It doesn't look like Cam Collier's going to be around at nine, but he's still 17 years old, so that's still going to take a lot of time. Jacob Berry, Chase Young, both guys that don't really have a defensive position, so that seems to be like take them completely off of uh, Piccolo and Dayton Moore's radar at that point. I would just assume so. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be another trade deadline, another draft at the third base is not going to be, a, 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 you know, a, what's the word I'm looking Addressed. For? Addressed. That's what it is. Thank you. And, and it's just going to be missed again. So, again, premature venting, but I just feel like it's going to happen again.
1: I, I think that's fair, too, and I, I agree that that does need to be uh, addressed soon. I think we talk about a lot how the Royals don't really have a center fielder of the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't really have a third baseman either or at yep. least you know one that's close. Yeah. Maybe you can move Michael Massey over there, but I don't know if he is I think I think that could work if you really want to try and get somebody but is he a cornerstone type? I don't think so. They've been as much as I, as much as I love Massey, there. I I don't know. Nick Lofton could probably play there in a pinch, but then again is he a cornerstone third baseman? No, cuz you can right. move him to the outfield, second base, wherever.
2: Yeah. The played, only one that I think –
1: the closest thing I think you could get right now is if you make a trade. And it's the trade to Toronto that I would do backflips for. And that's you package a reliever with Andrew Benintendi for Jordan Groshans, Mm -hmm. who has not hit for a lot of power. There's a ton in there. I think it's at least a plus power bat. Again, you lock him in a room with, with Drew Saylor and a bucket of balls for a couple of months. And maybe you can tap back into that, but that would be, that would be, I think the closest thing the Royals could get if they make that move. Then I feel good about that being your third baseman of the future, at least for now. And sure. maybe in the draft you find someone. I the Royals are going to probably they can find someone in the sixth round who ends up being that guy. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> they've done a good job finding gems in the past, so yeah, who knows? Yeah, you maybe can play Jace Young there, but I don't love it. Jacob Berry is a turnstile at third, <laughs> so I'm not not feeling that. If if that's the now, if the, if the Royals are going to draft Jacob Berry, he's going to be your DH moving forward. Yeah. He's probably Which here, is, like Billy Butler 2.0.
2: Yeah. Then what do you do with Vinny if that's, you know, if he's still not around it. at that point? Yeah. You play him at first and then you absolutely have to push Prado potentially to an outfield spot. So,
1: yep. There's some other moves that could be made maybe this offseason. I don't yep. know. Uh, There's not much,
2: not much of a third baseman free agency coming up. So it, it's no. going to have to be a trade again. Yep. Um, and third basemen are not cheap whenever they're traded. So, I, I, I mean, just from the Benatini trade, I mean, the Toronto Padres are both checked in on them, but like the Cardinals, the Yankees, and the Rangers all could use some left field help. And all four, our six, or all five of those teams have at least one, maybe two guys that could be serviceable big bats at third base that I would love to target. And it just doesn't seem like it's going to be the case again. So I'm going to be let down again. I'm going to get to watch Emmanuel Rivera again next year at third base. Uh, God love him. I'm not,
1: I don't have anything against him. It's just not what I'm wanting from third baseman. I don't know how much longer his leash is going to be yeah it's kind of surprising i don't know, I don't know what the answer yeah. and frankly i don't know what the answer is at this point but i don't yeah. think it's made Rivera. rivera uh, i don't think they're going to move bobby Wood jr back to third he was good at third he actually grayed out as he one of the better third baseman yep. in baseball uh, yep. but i think he's going to play they're going to let him play his natural position and i mean they're playing nicky lopez there right now which yeah that's they're ha- that's just the kind of the hand they're dealt at the moment right. so i don't, I don't know don't what the answer is either. but it's definitely going to be one of those things as, as we see the trade deadline and as we see the offseason of where can the royals go to get that that third base type yep so uh we got a lot more to talk about and we will uh, hit some more topics here after the
0: break we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
1: All right, Josh. So uh, on 610 Sports Radio this morning, as we're recording on Thursday, uh, owner John Sherman was on uh, on 610 for an exclusive interview talking about everything from the downtown stadium to uh, – you know, what's, what he's thought of the team and the future and organizational changes, everything like that. You took some bullet points as to what, what he talked about. Frankly, I, I was not able to listen to it at the time. I caught some snippets. Of you hmm. were able to, to find the whole thing. So what, what are some of your thoughts here? And we can just kind of go back and forth on this.
0: Um,
2: Primarily, number one, it sounds like a downtown stadium is happening. Yes. <laughs> I don't know when. I don't know what the, they said. They're just figuring out logistics of that. It sounds like it's a done deal. He even yeah. brought up like, the Wrigley renovations from, from a couple years ago it cost like $600,000 to renovate. Um, and he just figured, you know, with all every, all the things kind of thought of, it sounds like a downtown stadium is going to be the way to go. How it's funded, who knows where it's going, who knows. He said he did like maybe like the East Village location a little bit more. That's always made the most sense to me. But, you know, again, still who knows. Sounds like it's going to happen. So that was that was the first one that kind of stuck out to me. Um, The other part, a lot of people have been talking about that. That Sherman himself is not okay with the status quo. He says he wants it. You know, he expected things to be better. He's been talking to JJ and Dayton every day to you know how do we make this club a little bit better every day. Um, He's obviously not okay with it, but he does you know have the patience. He does understand the the long. The long form, long-term idea. He knows that it has to be done the right way and it has to be patient for that. But he's also impatient for the fans. He and he's sympathetic to the fans. He listens to the fans. He understands the fans because he is a fan. Um, and I sternly and honestly believe that about him. So I, I think that's a good thing that he's both impatient and patient at this point. I I'm I'm into that as well. Um he did, he did say that one of the primary things was how to deliver the product. He talked about the Bally's app being a good first step, but he he really wants to make sure that he's appealing to, I think he said the 28 to 35-year-old male. Um, I think it's always like the key demographic for, for any kind of media, but it, that is on his radar, how to figure out how to easily and better deliver the product to the younger generation. So I think that was very promising as well. And the last little thing that kind of stuck out to me and I mentioned on Twitter is he was talking about Mills and Fleming, the Carlos Santana trade. He was talking about the prospects and the guys that came from that, named them by name, and talked about their upside. And uh, and as Alex pointed out on Twitter, he also mentioned fan graphs in that. And that's just talk that I never thought I would hear a Royals owner ever say. I, I, wouldn't, I didn't think he would ever be so hands-on and so – in tune with what's going on in that building, that he would be able to uh, to, to name potential two Jags that they, got, uh, that they got in a trade for a dude that they just had to pay to go away type of thing. So that was very telling to me and very encouraging to me because the old ownership regime was not going to be doing like that. It tells me that he's a fan that wants to commit to this team, and when it's time to go, he's ready to fork over the money to do that. So all in all, those are the kind of the bullet points to stuck out, stuck out with me. What are you thinking about them?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the frustration of people from from this year that this is not obviously gone the way that they, you know, that, that they hoped, um, that the fans hoped, any of that, and the fans that are kind of going after John Sherman if we're calling him just a lazy owner right out the bat because they're not firing, <laughs> they're not going scorched earth and firing everybody. It's like. I mean, like what? he's not going to make any rash decisions here. Yeah. He wouldn't be a billionaire if he made a bunch of rash decisions. So he's going to be very calculated. And in doing that, he he's seen a winning culture. He was in the, the ownership group in Cleveland where mm-hmm. it's a pitching factory. It's a player development factory. Yep. So he knows the type of stuff that needs to be done. He has talked about those types of things being done in Kansas City. It mm-hmm. just takes a little bit to implement those changes. It seems like that's the way it's heading.
3: Mm -hmm. And
1: he has talked about, you know, and I understand patience. I understand not wanting to do anything rash, but I think he also understands writing on the wall for organizational changes that have to be made in order to win now. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is a a case where he is buying a team just for the sake of buying a team. I think he actually does truly care about Kansas City and baseball. I I will take him at his word, having never spoken to him. Mm -hmm. He just does seem a little more hands-on and different. Than just the owner that wants to have, like, just say he owns a baseball team to go brag to his buddies. Like, there are right. certainly owners like that in Major League Baseball. Sherman doesn't seem like he's that type. And how many owners are doing radio interviews like yeah. that at yeah. 30 in the morning? Like, who's yeah. real, who How many are truly doing that to talk about the team and thing, and a get in team. depth on it? A bad team too. Yeah, like there are not many that are going to do that. So I think yeah. that also speaks volumes to a degree too, that he's willing to come on and face the music and yeah. handle the criticism of they expect we expected better. And this team is not good and yeah. things need to change in order to succeed for not only us, just for the city too. Yeah. And
2: it, it was a lot of the same talking points that Dayton Moore hit back when in the presser that uh, was at the J Um the, the, the baseball camp so it was a lot of the same like we want to be accountable i'm losing sleep he's losing sleep that person's losing sleep my dog's losing sleep um they're all losing sleep over trying to figure out how to f- make a winning baseball club and they're obviously still very much interested in doing that he did mention that that he would be lying if he said that owning a baseball team was was just like not cool like <laughs> he obviously wanted to own a baseball team he said it only comes wrong maybe once every one and a half generations. So obviously he wanted to jump at any chance to own a baseball team, but that he did mention that he is a fan of this baseball team. This is where he lives primarily. Um, so he wanted this baseball team and it just happened to fall uh, fall. The cards happened to fall the way they did. And he was, he was the guy. So he also mentioned that he does believe that JJ and that Dayton are the architects of change is how they called them. So he's, you know, he's not going to call for someone's head. it Didn't sound like.
1: I mean, um, who would in that interview? Like that. Obviously. Op- right. <laughs> like I understand that's what fans wanted to hear, and he may and sure may be thinking it in his head. He's sure. not going to say that. He's not going to air out one of you know right. the, the president of baseball operations on a radio interview. That's just yes. bad. Like right. That's not going to go over <laughs> well to anyone.
2: Yeah, but he did. He did kind of also address like the whole uh, front office shuffling and how that he he mentioned that that was kind of what they did in Cleveland and and that transition from the general manager to kind of a different role to oversee the whole thing not much not just like the baseball operations side of it is kind of a challenge for it's something that they got to they're still working through as i think is what he said I'm still trying to figure out what exactly that means for each person um, is what it kind of sounded like so i think that there's still he, they wanted to protect J.J. Piccolo. He said that he was sought after from other teams around the league. So it was partially due because they loved Dayton's you know, uh, outlook on the people and the human aspect of baseball in this team, but also Piccolo was uh, a guy that was being sought after. So they wanted to make sure that they had both of those voices in the room. And I understand it. I, I am still anxious to, to know how much control Piccolo has over these baseball development in the roster options as opposed to Dayton Moore. And uh, and then kind of compare them to each other, and it may not we may not get a clear clear reaction on that anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not expecting any sort of front office change to happen. I I just don't think that's going to be the case. I know people are clamoring for it, and even a part of me is like, maybe that could be. What could help propel the Royals forward is just a fresh voice, some new, something new in here, and I totally yeah. see that side of it. But I don't think that's going to happen at this point. I think they do want to give this an opportunity to really let JJ take the reins and let him handle things and see how he's done. And I think he's done a relatively good job of that. Uh, yeah. For the you know, when you look at the whole ma- the whole macro of it, and I understand right. there's some <laughs> micro moves you can look at that are poor, but yes. in the macro sense, I think he's done fine. Mm-hmm. I, I do, I'm, I'm cool with Dayton just kind of taking a step back and almost being like a minister of culture yeah. and just letting him, you know, if he wants to be the, you know, the president of operations, cool. Um, mm-hmm. But if he wants to do like 2% of baseball operations and let JJ really handle it and let uh, some of the scouts and, you know, you, you know, elevate some people get really let Drew Saylor run, the, run this, you know what, like, yep. let's do it and let's see what happens. Yep. So there, I think there's some shuffling that's still going to happen. I think there's some shuffling to be done. I just don't know Mm. how much is going to happen at the front office level. And now let's go to the shuffling that I do think is a little more inevitable. (laughs) And I'm not saying it's going to happen now. It's probably gonna happen at the end of the year, but part of what, and John Sherman obviously was not going to explicitly say it, but he did talk about you know, evaluating everybody and seeing Mm -hmm. that changes are necessary to succeed. Right. Something to that effect. So there was the, it was the Josh Vernier article or a radio thing that he did uh, on his show talking about how tense the locker room is and how quiet it is. I've never seen a major league clubhouse be that tense, that quiet, anything like that. And that's not good. Like for any, in any sense, I don't care how bad you are. You can't have that. And it's just another example of the same mistakes that doomed Mike Matheny in St. Louis are dooming this team in Kansas city. There are way too many parallels right now. Like there are, there were articles out there about how intense and quiet and like, on eggshells every player walked around the locker room in st louis there are examples of player misuse and rushing guys back from injuries oh look salvador perez is basically done for the year a mismanagement of the bullpen or overmanagement of the bullpen leading to guys getting taxed and used too often to where they fall apart late in the season we saw that last year we're already seeing it this year how hot is his seat got to be right now because i i am at the point now where i i said it a couple months ago and i was like "Ah, i'm I may be just being hyperbolic. But I didn't think he'd make it through the season. I think he makes it through the season. There is, I think, a 0% chance he makes it to next year. I don't care that they extended his, uh, his contract or picked up his option for next mm-hmm. year. There is zero reason he should be the manager at Kansas City next year. Yep.
2: I, I mean, I tend to uh, largely agree with a lot of that. Um, they did say, Sherman did say in the interview, and I think Bernier actually said it was... Uh, Making big changes like that in the middle of the season is a sign of a bad ball club, a bad organization. And it's kind of like saying that like not brushing your teeth is a sign of obesity. It's (laughs) like, yeah, it makes sense that both things could be happening at the same time. Yeah. But they're not directly correlated type of thing. So, you know, fat people are not obviously not caring about their teeth, they're not caring about their teeth. They're not caring about their weight or what they eat or anything like that. But doesn't mean they can't start brushing their teeth. And and that means they can't make uh, some kind of mid-season adjustment like that. And I don't necessarily think that that is a sign of a bad organization. Yes, they put a bad manager in theory in the in to that position, but they should also be somewhat proactive patient but proactive in making and correcting those changes as soon as they can, especially with the it's a youth group coming through right now. So not to be tainted or, or kind of, you know, hinder their development at all um it, it's kind of a big deal so they can't mess this up kind of the same argument make for cal Eldred. so <clears throat> it, managers are there to manage personalities primarily it seems yeah. and if that locker room is tense that is a, a a damning evidence of the manager not being good at their job and like you said that's how it was in st louis eventually got them ran out the same reasons locker room is tense there was a lot of other things going on but that was the main one it seemed and now you have that on top of an underperforming ball club and the owner knows it. The president knows it. the GM knows it. All the fans know it. Everybody knows it. So there's not like you could say, well, at least he's still successful. Like he was in St. Louis. He still got fired from that job. So yeah, I, I, I don't think, I wouldn't expect a, a firing for Mike Pathini this year, but there is also that part where Pedro Griffal is in the dugout. Yep. And they did give him interviews twice when they were looking for managers here. So they do have an in-house candidate that could take the reins and get his feet wet in the managerial stage by firing Matheny. That, that's kind of what we said. That's why they're comfortable letting Bradshaw go. They had guys to just take and fill spots there. That's kind of what we think that Eldred is not going anywhere because there isn't an in-house candidate really to to fill that spot. But it does seem like there is a managerial candidate right behind Matheny that could replace him. So I'd, I'd be curious to see if they were willing to do that. But I agree; I don't think he'll be back next
1: season. No, I, I don't think you can bring him back at this point. I think stuff like that, like clubhouse things, like that, uh, like the the correlations you can make with uh, like the injury stuff and kind of rushing Salvi back. There are correlations with that in St. Louis. That's one thing. Like that's out there mm-hmm. for everyone to notice. I um, mean, yep. blatantly obvious, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But stuff like the tense locker room and kind of the locker being quiet and everyone kind of walking on eggshells and it's like that environment is not good that type of information doesn't get out unless someone wants it out sure. and i don't know who that person is um i don't know whose source burn on that but they obviously wanted that information out there for a reason yeah. to say like things are not good uh mm-hmm. in this locker room but when and someone made a perfect example when like locaine and Salvi and Haas and Moose came up that first year. 2012, they were terrible. They were still mm-hmm. really bad. But yeah. you didn't see them. You never heard anything about the Ned Yost locker room being tense, being, yep. uh, being quiet. You, know, you had great personalities. And they're great personalities on this team. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're like, we're not hearing anything about that, that is very, very concerning.
2: In so, those times, they were worried about it being too loose. Like they yeah. were playing Clash of Clans and Raul Abanez is throwing stuff to kind of pump dudes up. So... Uh, Yeah, I mean, they had plenty of personalities, leadership in those clubhouses that kind of nipped those things in the bud. But if that isn't there, and the manager's not helping anything either, then where do you go? What do you do?
1: Yeah. So uh, this is something we'll probably still hit at least once every six weeks or so because it just feels like there's going to be more stuff that comes out and more correlations to the demise of Mike Matheny in St. Louis. Uh, Because I mean, we're already seeing enough of it that Mm -hmm. it's certainly trending in that direction. Before we get out of here, Josh. uh, you, me, Alex, and our buddy Drake, who also does some stuff for us at Royals Farm Report, is helping out with the uh, draft guide coming out here in a couple of weeks. Uh, he wasn't on a train. He was able to meet us and hang out. We actually got to meet him in person for the first time, which is kind of cool. We, yeah. we met at this restaurant called Dixon's Famous Chili on Highway 40. And one of the things on their menu is all-you-can-eat tacos.
3: Mm-hmm. It's like
1: seven bucks, and you get a plate of tacos, and they're like four, and you just keep them coming. Mm-hmm. Well, we were kind of on a little bit of a time crunch, and you know, we all got a couple of plates and went if we if time was not a factor how many plates of tacos could you put down
2: so back in college i told this story to you guys um while we were doing it but there was this time that in one sitting one lunch period i took down 26 tacos that were very (laughs) similar to the ones we had at dixon's i think uh, if I did that now, I would implode. Things <laughs> inside me would collapse upon each other, and I would die. So 26 is doable, but I'm never doing that again. So the more what reasonable you? would be
1: like 20, like maybe like 22, 23.
2: I think I mean the more reasonable. I, what I I
1: did 12
2: that night, yeah. in a matter of about 15 minutes, probably. And I I probably could have gone. I probably could have gone at least eight more. So I would I would say 22 is attainable and and, and not. It would not be
1: comfortable but it was attainable. i could probably, you at? probably do like 12 to 15, 15 or 15 mm-hmm. and that's yep. like if i haven't eaten since breakfast
3: yeah like
1: i have water only like that's probably the most i can do mm-hmm. uh, And if i did any more than 12 like the heartburn is gonna be heart- <laughs> so like i i had to take i, I freaking took like tums and prilosec before i went to that game I'm 25. I shouldn't be needing to do that.
2: That's a vet. That's a vet move. That's uh, if you're already in that, if you're already pulling that stuff, your, your soul
1: is older than, uh, than you think it is. Being told you have an old soul at like 12. It's like, Oh, you don't have any serotonin. (laughs) I've been told that since I was a kid. It makes sense.
2: (laughs) It's a compliment. I swear.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's where that's where Well, y'all, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. We will be back. I hope you all have a great and safe uh, holiday weekend. Uh, we will talk to you all on Tuesday. We'll, uh, I think it'll be come out on Wednesday. Uh, Royals Farm Report. We're going to talk a little more draft and kind of recap the first half of the minor league season. A couple of teams, I believe, are in the second half technically now. The Columbia Fireflies are a second half team, so we, we're hoping there. Um, we got a lot, a lot of fun stuff coming up here over the next couple of weeks with draft. Trade deadline, all-star game. It's all going to be good. Stay locked in on it, and we'll talk to you soon.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.